Welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 343 featuring AJ Alex Jeffries over at MDI Digital along with his, he, who he's a Kona owner along with his partner Matt Dartford and also Moonjam which is his own personal site. He is a pretty amazing person, a 3D illustrator, an artist, an animator and does a lot of stuff. What a charismatic person, right Kristen? Yes, very, very <laughs> much. I yes. love it. <laughs> By the way, you guys should be watching the video version of this podcast because uh, our good friend Kristen has decided to rent the runway and is wearing very fancy clothes uh, on the podcast. Uh, I don't know. It's quite funny. Yes. So she's got some very fancy clothes that she decided to rent every week and to, just to wear around the house. I love it. All right. So tell us what you think about, uh, about uh, AJ and uh, the amazing stuff that he's done. Yeah, well, I've actually been in contact with him over the last couple of years just because we have loved his work. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, the podcast, he just he talks so nicely. It's lovely to uh, <laughs> listen to him. But he has been a V-Ray OG since its first public beta in 2001. So mm -hmm. that was that's always awesome to hear. Um, and like he. Like I said, some of the work he's done, he does this, it's called Monster Project, um, and it's kids will draw monsters and artists from all over the world re will recreate it in their own styles. Um, and the he's done one called Monster Project 2021 uh, mm -hmm. off of Maria's Monster, and it's just the kids get so happy, and it's just a great way It's you know to get them excited about creativity. Um, and he really loves what he does. Like it's, it was his hobby and now it's become his job. And he does talk about kind of finding the balance to making sure like the obligation doesn't overtake the creativity, but yeah, just a great, a great listen. <laughs> yeah. He's a really great guy and a lovely person to have. Uh, can't wait to talk to him again at some point about all the great things he's been doing. And you know, you know, it's a, it's a thing, right? Being an illustrator is a little bit different than being working in a studio or, or working in architecture or working in visual effects. So uh, he kind of gets into that and the freedom that that gives him along with his creativity. Definitely a very creative person, which has mm -hmm. been absolutely wonderful to talk to. Now, we don't actually have a lot of announcements going on right now, but make sure and check out, you know, if you have any events, uh, you will find those all at chaos.com com slash events uh, but if you have uh if you want to know more about the podcast Kristen, tell them where they can go you can go to facebook.com slash cg garage podcast or chaos.com slash cg garage or if you'd like to watch us go to youtube.com slash chaos group tv Perfect. And if you guys have other ideas or any comments on this podcast or previous podcasts or, or suggestions for other guests that you'd like to have, make sure and let us know. Our email is labs at chaosgroup.com. That being said, please enjoy this awesome podcast with Alex Jeffries. Welcome to another CG Garage where the Chaos Group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. Well, it's good. It's good that you're you're on finally. Uh, we've been seeing your work at Chaos. We love your work, obviously. Oh, thank uh, you. And we'd love to sort of know more about you, your origin story, uh, where where it all started for you, where your interest lies, and you know all of the 
the businesses you started and everything else. So it's really great to, to talk to you and find out more about it. So let's, let's start with this. How did you start getting into CG? What was your first introduction into that? Um, specifically into CG, my first introduction was um, some software called Imagine. I don't know if you remember Imagine. Oof. Uh, on a Mac? It was on a PC. Um, my PC? dad, yeah, my dad brought a PC home from work, and okay. um, it was a really, really old one. Um, but it was quite exciting because before that, I had an Amiga, so this was like something that was like properly a computer. Okay. And yeah, I uh, basically there was a magazine, and it had some free three D software on the front, and I was already aware of of three D stuff because of the short films that Pixar's made. Pixar made like Tin Toy and and you know Luxo Junior, which I'd seen. Mm-hmm. And this was like so. This was like my first chance to try and do it myself. Um, but the the program wasn't great, and I I definitely wasn't great. But okay. it was still a really good. It was a really good um, you know introduction to that world. And I just yeah, I used to make little sort of silly animations that were pretty terrible, but you know, kept me entertained. <laughs> Uh-huh. And then from there, um, I yeah, Toy Story obviously came out uh, probably about a year later, and that's when everything went nuts because I was like, okay, I I have to do this now. I have this. This has to be my thing. I really, you know, like a lot of people, I was like, right, I'm I'm going to go and work at Pixar. Right. And um, yeah, spoiler alert, that didn't happen. But um, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know that at that point. So I went to my careers advisor at school and I said, you know, I want to I want to do computer animation. And and weirdly, he turned around and said, oh, oh, I know exactly where you need to go. And I, I lived in and a, this, a, this was in the 90s, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, this is like late 90s, about 97. That's pretty amazing um, that he, they would know that in the 90s where you could no, do that. Well, the yeah. weird thing was um, I lived in a, a town in the south of England called Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. And it's like a seaside town. It's it hasn't got a huge amount going on. It's quite it's quite not lovely. It's quite pretty and picturesque. Mm-hmm. A lot of tourists. Um, and he said, "Oh, you're going to go to Bournemouth University." And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. I'm I'm not. I want to go. Like, yeah, I'm probably going to have to go to London. I imagine I might have to go to America." Right. And then he's like, "No, no, no." And he handed me this like brochure, uh-huh. and it said NCCA on the front, and it was like the National Centre for Computer Animation, and it was at it was at Bournemouth University, and. <sighs> It was weird because I was I was literally on their doorstep. My house was I lived in a housing estate opposite the university, and I walked past it every day. And I had no idea. I had no idea this was there. So that was quite exciting. And I was like, "Well, this is destiny." Obviously, you know. Obviously, universe <laughs> is is pointing me that way. Um, yeah. What I didn't factor in is that because um, I was already doing my my A levels, which were like the qualifications you need to to go to university, mm-hmm. and I wasn't doing maths, and I needed to do maths to get onto that course. And I was like, you know, I, I actually I I went to the university and I said to someone, I said, "Look, I'm doing I'm doing art and I'm doing computer studies." Isn't that enough? And they were like, no, no, you, you have to do this. And I was like, oh, I just I really don't like maths. And um, so, <laughs> but opposite that there was an art college um, called the Arts Institute, which I think is now the Arts University of Bournemouth. But um, they did loads of great courses. And I decided to, to jump ship to there and do like a foundation course for a year and sort of try my luck at loads of different things because you could study like, you do like a, a term on photography, a term on animation. And it was, it was great. So I did that instead. Um, okay. And then I, I reapplied to the course at Bournemouth and I said like, hey, I've, I've done a year here now. And they went, did you do maths? And I just went, <laughs> no. Nope. Well, really sorry, we can't help you. So I was really crushed. Um, but I'd also applied for a couple of other courses that I'd enjoyed, like illustration and animation at the same art college. 
I was at. And I figured, you know, that's, you know, that they're still great subjects and I can still maybe in my own time sort of work on 3D stuff. Um, but I didn't get into either of those either. Um, one of the problems was I was so obsessed with 3D. My portfolio was mostly 3D stuff. I really, that's what I really enjoyed. So when I went to the interviews, I didn't, I didn't take any of the 3D stuff with me because I thought they wouldn't want to see it. Like uh. I, you know, the illustration course, I thought, oh, I'll take, I'll take this drawing I've done and a painting I've done. And they were just like, no. And then the animation course, I was like, oh, here's a, here's a 2D cell animation I've done. And they were like, no. So at this point, I was completely just cut adrift. I didn't know what I was going to do. Hmm. And a friend of mine was on the illustration course that I'd not got onto. And he said, come and see the, come and see our end of year show. So I was like moping around going like, oh, this works all brilliant. You know, I'm not going to get to do any of this. And then on the wall was this amazing 3D render of like a Lego figure. And it was like, and it was obviously CG. And I was like, why, why is this here? This is an illustration course. And then my friend went, oh, they teach, they teach 3DS Max. Have you ever heard of it? They, like, there's a guy who comes in and teaches us it. And I was like, what? How did I not know this? And um, so basically I, I then pleaded with the, the woman who ran the course and I took in all my 3D stuff and I went, I, I do this. And she was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you can do the course now. So I did manage to get on, which was quite lucky. Um, right. Yeah, and then from there, so it's a really long story. It's not very exciting, but from no, there, it is. <laughs> I um, so it turned out the um the student who the ex student who would come in and teach 3ds Max, um, he'd left the course about seven years before. He had his own studio in Bournemouth, um, doing 3D computer graphics, and I didn't really know what they did. But when he when he came in, he brought with him that student whose amazing artwork I'd seen, mm-hmm. and he put their showreel in. He's like, oh, because it turns out he just he just hired him, and um, he put his showreel in. And it loaded up and my jaw hit the floor because it was like, it was like artwork from games that I'd played and like and magazines I'd read. And it was like Turok Dinosaur Hunter and I don't know, like Shadow Man and all, like, all these games from the 90s. And I was just like, like Duke Nukem 3D. And I was like, I've, I've seen this. Like how, where have you been hiding? How do you do this? And it's just like, I just sort of like, I didn't physically grab him, but I was like, I must know how to do this, please. Right. Um, so from there, I then spent the next two years really sort of hyper-focused on getting hired um, by that studio. Um, and I pestered them a lot. Um, I did all the things you're not supposed to do. I didn't leave them alone. I emailed them. And, but I also worked <laughs> I worked on my portfolio. This is terrible advice. Don't ever do this. But um, So, yeah, I, I also worked on my portfolio. Um, and, yeah, I also had a brief stint working at Rolls-Royce because some other ex-students um, worked there. And they came in for a talk and I saw all their 3D stuff and it was amazing. And I was like, can I do some work experience there? So me and my flatmate ended up um, spending a summer there. And that was a really good experience because I did loads of technical work and I, I learned a lot. And I also, I the most important thing I learned was I really didn't like doing technical work. Because um, <laughs> yep. I remember we were doing like these animations to like, so when engineers would repair an engine, they, they would know what to do and what not to do. And like right. the only one I, I really liked was there was a guy who was changing the, the fan blades of the engine and he put his hand in and it got cut off and they had loads of like blood spraying everywhere. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. And they were like, no, that's already been done. You you, you do some more boring stuff. So I, oh. yeah. so I didn't I didn't enjoy that, but it was a learning experience. And then from there, basically, as the course wound down to an end, I was really sort of hovering around that company and sort of really going, oh, it would be great if... Someone gave me a job, and thankfully they sort of took pity on me and said, "Yeah, you can. You're you're okay. You can start working." So, I ended up working there um, as a studio called Digital Progression um, for seven years, um, wow. and yeah, and I basically switched entirely from from sort of wanting to do three D animation and Pixar to 
doing 3D illustration and sort of stuff for games and architecture and, and all manner of stuff, but all, all sort of for print and, and things I didn't realize you could do with 3D. And that's, so I did that for a while. And then yeah. <laughs> then Matt, the guy who was the Lego guy, which is why mm -hmm. I keep calling him, he'd left after a few years and started his own studio um, in a town called Norwich, which is about 250 miles away. And uh, I kept in touch with him. He's a nice guy. Um, and... I, after about six years there, I started to get itchy feet and I was like, I don't, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a good job. I learned a lot, but I was also like, this, you know, I, I kind of want to get back into the, the animation thing. I really wish I'd stuck with that. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing was I did a 18 month course at Animation Mentor, which had just started up, I think about a year before. And so I was like, right, this is it. I'm back on track. I'm doing animation. And halfway through that course, that guy, Matt, who'd moved to Norwich, rang me up and said, hey, do you want to move to Norwich? And I was just like, no, I'm, I'm all right. And he said, I basically got too much work on. Uh, I want you to come to Norwich and be my business partner. And I was like, okay, uh -huh. maybe I will do that. And then that's exactly what I did. And that was 13 years ago. So I've been here for 13 years now. Wow. Okay. Sorry, so, a very so long-winded story. Sorry. That's not long-winded. Actually, you told a very concise story, <laughs> believe it or not. But that's... Okay, so what's the name of your studio? It's MDI Digital, MDI which is Digital. named after... Frustratingly, it is named after Matt. It's, his name's Matt Dartford, so it's Matt Dartford Illustration. So <laughs> okay. I just don't tell people that. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, so what kind of work do you guys do? And you've, you said 13 years, right? So you've yes. done a lot for a while. So what yeah, kind of work so do you guys do? Um, it's mainly um, artwork for, for print for the advertising, um, entertainment, and editorial industry. So we'll do magazine covers. We'll do um, editorial pieces for articles. We'll do packaging artwork for chocolate bars, or and we'll do promotional posters. We'll do box art for games. Um, and sort of more recently, we've been doing more and more animation work, which obviously works out quite well for me. But yeah, it's 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 a whole mixed bag um, of different random disparate things, but all quite fun. Well, how what what's what are some of the great you know like uh, 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 customers you've had? These chocolate bars and stuff like that. So I can imagine. I mean, there's like so much stuff is out there that needs to be rendered, right? Yeah, there is, um, and thankfully, <laughs> some people do come to us, which is nice. Um, uh -huh. The the biggest one we did is I did a job for um, Cadbury's. Well, we both did a job for Cadbury's, I should say. Uh -huh. um, and that was that was a two-year project. And I think we did a hundred illustrations in that two-year period. So it was pretty intense. Um, but that was that was a that was a really good job and really fun. Um, and basically, our artwork was on their chocolate bars, like all over the world. Like I, you know, I'd go to different countries and just see it and go oh hey i did that and then you know people would just say who's yeah that weird who's that weird guy <laughs> um i get that a lot though yeah. um so yeah that was that was brilliant and then that from that that bounce people saw that and then we got to do other stuff uh some, so sometimes for other brands that cabri's owned and sometimes it was just other you know chocolate manufacturers but that was that was a lot of fun um and yeah i'm sort of racking my brains for other things we've done that are similar um but yeah it's it's honestly we do such a a broad variety of jobs like and do you do you like the illustration part of it do you, what, what is what's the thing that attracts you and then do you i mean do you still would you still want to be the guy who goes to pixar and does the whole thing or would <laughs> you or or do you like you know what i like this illustration thing because i can do so many ideas or it's not as res restrictive or i don't know it's joint it's a little bit of both um basically i do i do love the illustration part of it i really get a kick out of um uh, it's hard to describe. I like I like a, an image that tells one story. I like it if you can if you can make 
that yeah that's that when i when i applied for that illustration course that's what i wanted to do i wanted to do like illustrations that when you looked at it you're almost concept art level stuff where you could see it and there was there was a story there and you 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 know you, you were like oh wow i understand what's going on here mm-hmm. so that aspect i really like and because i've been doing it so long as well i'm very familiar with it so i like um yeah it's it's I don't want to say it comes easy, but it's it's like it's almost part of me. Like I've I've done it for so long, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. I really like it, I enjoy it, but also it's just like it's just my thing. I just you know do 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 this now. Um, but in terms of animation, I do. Um, yeah, in, in the last sort of like five or six years, I have found myself drifting back towards animation because um, yeah, I probably say CG is still my hobby. Weirdly, like I've I, you know I've done it this long, but I still. I do it in my free time. I still like when we finish the project, I'm like, oh, I'll do a, I'll do something for myself. And that hasn't stopped. And in the last sort of like five years, that's been mostly animation work. I've been doing little silly, you know, 10 second loops or just like something for Instagram or something just ridiculous. Right. Um, but that has sort of snowballed lately. Um, so a few of those things I did went viral or, you know, took off or whatever. And then people are like, and then it's, it's sort of, it's leached into our normal day job. And now I get asked to do animation work instead of illustration work and that can get a little bit tricky um because that's really my thing more than my business partner's thing but um it's still fun it's still a lot of fun yeah yeah i think i mean i'm looking at the style of the, the work you have and i know you know uh one of my my co-workers lon is a huge fan of your work he loves the oh. style of you what you do uh but what would you call what would you i mean what would you consider your style if you're going to th- <laughs> talk about that in some way oh man i do you know what? I still don't know. I still uh, it's 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 a constant source of um, angst because if I get so basically because Matt and I have worked together so closely for so long. I mean, we started working together in two thousand and one, so it's been uh-huh. this is this is the twentieth year um, we've wow. worked together. Yeah. We've got a lot of overlap in terms of like how we approach things and how we do things, but. I tend to drift towards more sort of cartoony character based work and Matt tends to be sort of more technical. He's a, he's also a photographer so he likes things to be sort of more in the realm of realism. So between right. us our portfolio can be a bit confusing. And <laughs> um, so if we do get approached for a project and they say I love your style, I do have to say to clients, can you just pick four or five images from our portfolio and say this specific style because it do, it does get confusing and that's right. yeah, that's that's as a hurdle we have to deal with quite often. Um, how, how big is your studio now? It's just two people. Really? <laughs> it's been two people for twenty-one years. Uh, sorry, wow. twenty years. Yeah, this is this is another issue we have. We um, this is possibly a bad habit I picked up from my old the previous studio, which was we found that you wouldn't get treated with a lot of respect unless you were presenting as an organization. So when me and Matt joined forces, we were like, well, we'll 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 just call ourselves. A studio but we'll never let on that it's just two guys right. but now i've actually found found the reverse is better like mm. I, I, being honest with people and just saying there's just two of us here you know and everything you see on that website is usually by one of us like you know everything every illustration there is one person working on it and right. if you do work with us you're working directly with the person who's working on it it's not a, you know an intermediary so i found out recently that's probably been a better approach than sort of pretending to be five or six people or whatever Right. Right. Well, that's interesting. So you guys have, yeah, yeah. so you definitely are generalist in a lot of ways. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel that like the world of, you know, I, you're obviously probably still in touch with people who do computer graphics of all kinds of stuff, you know, in, in, the, in yeah. the visual effects world, animation world, et cetera, et cetera. Do you feel that the, 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 because I've talked to several people who work in, who do illustration that are pretty, really interesting. Do you feel that that is a separate kind of, 
class of CG in some ways? Do you know what? I, yeah, I have. I've always felt, it's always been weird because like I said, I've been obsessed with CG for a long time and I've always been on forums and I've always been on websites and I've always kept like right. my ear to the ground and I'm interested in, 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 you know, every new development that happens. It's, it's interesting to me, but I've always found when I meet people who work in specific industries, it's really hard to feel like we do the same job because there's obviously, even though there's overlap, it's such different disciplines. It's such different worlds, you right. know, and because like you said, I'm, a, you know, I'm basically a generalist and for years, effects work was all specialists and when i did um animation mentor everyone doing that course was you know their goal was i'm going to be an animator at a studio not i'm going to animate my own things it was like i'm going to get this job which makes sense right so yeah it's always been weird to do what we do and 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 talk to people about it because i don't the work we do doesn't necessarily fit in with people's um, like ideas of what illustration is because it's 3D and CG and they're like, oh, illustration, you sit at a board with watercolours and a pen and it's beautiful. And it's like, no, I don't. I sit there with primitives and spheres and, you know, Mac script open and whatever. Right. And yeah, so that in that that respect is difficult. But I have to say in, in recent years, I've found myself using a lot of tools that visual effects artists probably would use just because it's it's quick. So, you know, if yeah. I need to scatter objects over a surface, I'll use tie flow. If, you know, I need to like create an organic surface, I'll use VDB meshing or something similar. So it's, mm-hmm. it's there is overlap, but yeah, I think they are, it would be difficult for me to get into VFX and it would be difficult from someone from VFX to do what I do. So yeah, they are quite, they are quite distant in that respect. It's interesting you say that because, you know, it's actually, I, I've, I've found in, in more recent years that the, the generalists are back in visual effects. I mean, in fact, ILM has a whole department called the generalist department. Oh, excellent. <laughs> and so it's, they kind of, you know, solve the problems that a big department, you know, one-off problems, right? So they just like, just you do the whole thing, <laughs> you know? Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so, so that's interesting, but it's, it's true with you know, what you said about tools, like how, like, you know, 20 years ago, your your tool of choice was probably Max. Is that what you said? I think it was Max, right? Oh, yeah. I've been using Max since 1998. Okay. So Max is, is a tool. But there there are a lot of tools now that have sort of crept into your arsenal of, of, of things go, that you've been using. So what are some of those things that you've, uh, you know, you, you found you mentioned TieFlow is something interesting that you use. What are some oh, of the God. other tools you get out there? Yeah. Ty, I, honestly, you could if you wanted a whole podcast of someone singing TieFlow's praises, I would be first on honestly it's incredible i mean i've been trying to get him on this podcast by the way but he said (laughs) right i'll poke him i'll poke him um, okay basically i i've yeah because tyson's been around Mm -hmm. like for years i back in cg talk when i used to be on cg talk years ago i used to do mini animation challenges and there was this like 16 17 year old like wunderkind called Tyson mm-hmm. and he would enter this competition and he was incredible and it was so unbelievably crushing it was like he was so young and so talented and you're like he's gonna do really well for himself and right. obviously he has but most importantly he's also like reinvigorated like an entire community of Max users it's like yeah, yeah. Tyflow is incredible I, I love it I absolutely love it but yeah on, as well as that um the biggest thing that I adapted was probably um ZBrush when that when I first mm. got my hands on that because in terms of you know, years and years and years of poly modeling and, you know, edge flow and what's, and for that to suddenly just disappear and to be able to do whatever you want was, yeah, that was astonishing. And because I work for stills as well, I don't have to worry about topology. I often don't have to worry about 
you know, rigging something for animation. It can just be a one-off. So ZBrush was incredible. It was just like, I can just get in there and actually just sculpt things. So that was that was remarkable. Um, obviously, V-Ray is an absolute lifesaver. I've, I've used V-Ray since the first public beta, which I think was 2001. Yeah. So I li- literally, the, like the day I Were you I on the Delphi forums? Was- Do you know what? I wasn't. I wasn't on those forums. I, like, okay. It wasn't until they switched that I, I actually joined and started contributing or like commenting. Right. But yeah, I, I, I remember I, I, I secretly installed the beta. At work. I wasn't allowed. My boss said, you can't install that. And which is fair enough. You know, you shouldn't sure. have, you shouldn't have your staff employing software, like installing <laughs> software without your permission. Right. But I snuck it on because we were doing a job and it was a really, it was quite a technical project. It wasn't particularly exciting, but it had, it, it was an, it was an, you could see inside an, in, an interior space. Right. It had translucent like fabric covering and there was exterior lighting as well. And we were using Scanline for this. So we we're just like sitting yeah. there with max lights. And I was like moving Omni lights around inside trying to get some light. And, and it looked appalling. Like it was embarrassing how bad it was. And I'd already played around with V-Ray and I was like, I reckon it would do a really good job on this. So he went off to get lunch and I quickly set up a render and like, he came back and he went, you fixed it. It's amazing. And I was like, we are not going to believe this. But, um, and I still wasn't allowed to use it, but we did use that as a basis to then like adapt it. But like after a couple of years, he finally conceded that V-Ray was like actually brilliant. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I know it was also at the time of, like there was also during the time when people were like, you know, debating whether it was Brazil or V-Ray oh, or Final yeah. Render or Mental Ray. So it was like yeah. a... And that was honestly that was like the heydays of uh, of ray tracing, and, and uh, because that's when all, everyone was competing to have yeah. a better ray tracer, right? That's it. I remember like because it was Brazil was Ghost first, I think, mm-hmm. and then Brazil. And I remember my the guy who wouldn't let me install Vera. He loved Brazil. He absolutely loved right. it. And because we worked in print, everything's huge. It's all like you know minimum five K usually double or triple that right so he set up a, a render in brazil because it had really nice like depth of field and really nice gi and mm-hmm. he set up this render of like a, i think it was a, a compass or a watch or something mm-hmm. and he left it on an old pc and he said we'll see how that does it took four weeks to render like four <laughs> completely and it did look great don't look exactly we all like, oh that looks fantastic but it's like completely unusable right and then like because v-ray had the irradiance map it was like oh you can actually render stuff and it's done before you go home it's like it's done in a day Right. So yeah, that was a proper like this is this is the way forward thing. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's amazing. And you've been using it for that long. Obviously, I've been a user of. I'm probably one of the first customers <laughs> <laughs> that actually bought a copy of Eray. Uh, yeah, this was back when I was at Gensler, so I was like, "We're gonna buy this thing," and they're like, "It's a Bulgarian render." <laughs> they're like, "Really?" It's <laughs> like, "Yep, it's great." So yeah, yeah, if, th- if, if, yeah. If you say it like that, it's not like it's, you're not selling it well. But you're like, "No, trust me, it's so good." Yeah, I know. I bet, but it is. Uh, so it's been, a, and it's almost, it's you know, almost coming up on 20 years that V-Ray has been around. Mm. So <laughs> it's quite amazing. Uh, yeah. So that's 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 pretty cool. Um, so what I mean, obviously, uh, lighting has been a you know a big a big portion of what you uh, you do as well. So what what are some of the things that you've noticed over the years that have changed uh, the way you work in terms of lighting? Um, I think the biggest thing is so when when I worked at Digital Progression, the, the studio in Bournemouth, when I first started there, like I said, it was all we everything was scanline. It was all you know, sure, you know, standard materials, speculars. There was no GI. There was no everything had to be cheated and faked. And I. You know, we brought VRA into the pipeline so we could actually have GI, and it was that changed things overnight. But we didn't adapt to VRA lights until I, 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 VRA lights weren't in for a while. I think. I think is that mm-hmm. am I right in that? Yeah. Could and so be. area, we didn't have area lights 
Mm-hmm. And then when they did finally come in, I was working on um, some box art for a game called Crisis, um, which mm-hmm. was a really big deal back in the day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that I was I was trying to light that with area lights, and I was failing miserably because I just didn't know what I was doing. And I saw someone say, "Oh, you should look up how photographers light things." And I was just like. I'm sorry, what? It's like, this is in a computer. I don't need to worry about that. But they were absolutely right. It was like I was trying to light it like a CG artist as opposed to shooting it for real. And I didn't, and that was like a little switch went in my head. And I was like, oh, right, you should actually consider these things. You should consider where light's bouncing off and all that stuff. And then, like, yeah, within a few hours, I'd fixed it and it looked fantastic. And it was like, okay, this is what I'm doing from right. now on. Did you pick up photography at that point? Yeah, actually, yeah, most of us did. Um, so out of the right. four of us who worked there, three of us all got into photography. Like Matt, my business partner's like, he's fully into it. He's like, um, you know, he's, he's an award-winning like landscape photographer now. Oh, nice. Um, so he's got all the kit. But it's like, yeah, you, it was almost impossible not to because, you know, we were, we were trying to figure out how to light things. And also, we do shoot photography for a lot of stuff because we work in stills. Sometimes it's still quicker to just shoot something and comp sure. it back in rather than you know modeling it or whatever so we you know we still you know we need we need that kit we need soft boxes we need cameras so it's hard not to get into it but yeah the two definitely connected together and it was like because i remember when the physical camera first came along at v-ray and everyone was like why has it got f-stops why has it got all this stuff and it was like no i can see that but like once you get your head around it it does it, it's a, it's another language and it makes sense and it's like yeah it was great yeah, and you can translate it in your mind. Like, oh, that's what it should do. You know, that's, yeah, it's absolutely right. I think I love the physical camera, honestly, because it just mm. makes more sense. And then you know what you're going to get, right? Like, oh, yeah, this exactly. is going to be a, it's going to be a one point F stop, one five, so I can get a nice depth of field or whatever. You make those choices right there on the camera as opposed to, I don't know, some kind of depth of field. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. Because a lot of the stuff I do is like, you know, it's, it's, it's often style over substance. Sure. So I will have to dial it in and break stuff just to make it look nicer or, or what people might expect. So there's still cheating going on, but it's, yeah, it's yeah. great to start off knowing that what you're working with is actually making sense. Yeah, I remember. And then back, back in the early days, you probably remember this too. You know, in order to do like exterior global illumination or whatever, you had to plug an HDR into the environment and then use that as an HDR, as, as a radiance map cache. And it was a bit complicated. I did a whole DVD for Noman explaining the process of lighting this thing. <laughs> and then, then they introduced a dome light. It's like, well, throw that away. <laughs> <laughs> That's time well spent. <laughs> Just use a dome light and you're done. <laughs> uh, I, it's like sometimes if you, if you like Googling how to do something and like you come across a tutorial and it's like from 2002 mm-hmm. and you like, you don't notice and you start reading, you go, wait a minute, minute. what are they talking about? It's like, <laughs> That's, that hasn't existed. Oh, right. Okay. That's the problem. Yeah. Actually, the problem is I've had people say, I'm still I'm still studying your DVD. And I was like, dude, that DVD is 12 years old. Don't, don't. <laughs> the, yeah. the software's changed. <laughs> that's tough, isn't it? It's like, just ignore it. It was good at the time. Yeah. 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 It was, it's a lot of fun. But uh, okay. So what about education? Like in terms of, you know, obviously you educated your, yourself in a lot of these things. You did a lot of things in school, but did you, do you continue to educate yourself? Like how do you continue to, to, to keep knowledge up? You know, obviously, like you said, Typhlo, you have to learn that on the go, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, I basically doing Animation Mentor did like, again, a little switch went on my head um, because I realized the way I'd learned Max was in a sort of mentor relationship because we had that guy coming in three hours every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, I would spend the I would spend a fortnight building up questions and then just like pester him endlessly and go, "How do I do this? How do I do that?" Right. Um, and I liked that way of learning. And then animation mentor was a similar thing. You've got industry professionals 
giving you advice like one-on-one and then you go away and you you try it and you you do these things so as well as like swarming the internet for tutorials i also if if ever if if ever anyone offers a class where they're like i will teach you one-on-one i'll sign up for it if i can if i can afford it and it's something that's like interesting so i've done chris costa's character modeling class i've done scott eaton's anatomy class Um, i've done a couple of photography classes a couple of retouching classes um and sometimes it's been you know it's hit or miss sometimes i'm like you know without being arrogant you might at the retouching class i was like oh i actually know i already knew all of this there was nothing there was nothing that's a surprise but it's still encouraging to go oh i i already knew all this this is the right way to do things this is this works um but yeah so that's it i still do you know i'll sign up for classes on you know whatever i can if it if it's relevant right so for tie flow example like there's the redefine effects course that um uh, jesse put out which is incredible so i signed up for that and even though the chances of me using it in my work are slim. It's still good to know how the tool works and how I could use it in other ways and understand, you know, everything that's going on. And do you feel that the, sometimes, I mean, uh, uh, because, you know, because you do things in CG and you like, let's say you pick up Typhlor or whatever, right? And then like, huh, now does that change your creative decision making, like in terms of how you do things? Or do you like, like, oh, I want to keep doing this and then somehow it, it affects what you're what your artwork looks like do you know what i think about this constantly because yeah. it like the number of times i pick up a new technique or tool and the next job that comes in is perfect for whatever i've just learned right and i just think i think if i hadn't picked that method up if i didn't know about time measure or if i didn't know about you know this this way of using subsurface scattering i would have i still would have got the job done but i wouldn't have known this technique so like it's weird i every time i learn something new I'm just thinking, you know, when is this going to come into play? And it's it's it does change your way of thinking. It changes your problem solving because right. you start you start rolling that into your arsenal of like, oh well, if I approach it this way, I could use this right. method. And yeah, so for example, like the VDB meshing in in Tyflow, I use constantly. It's like it's a dream come true. It's like you know the fact that I can get primitives, basically just fudge them together and get a really smooth, clean mesh in seconds. It's like it is a game changer. And yet, if it didn't exist, I still would be getting by. I'd still be, you know, making those jobs work. Well, yeah. I mean, you were, you were mentioning it earlier, like, you know, uh, how you do creature design. Like Alex Alvarez, he was modeling creatures, uh, you know, at, at Nomen with with NURB surfaces and just stitching oh. them together for like, and it's like, and then it's like ZBrush came along. He's like, why have I been doing this? It's like <laughs> yeah. trying to make a creature with quilting material, you know, it's just, it doesn't oh. make any sense. And so, uh, but it's, it's true that I think, you know, when it, I always use that saying is like when, when the only tool, you know, is a hammer, then all your problems look like nails. Right. And so if you have, exactly, yeah. if you have more tools, you can do more things and you have more ways of solving problems. And I think your brain can sort of like expand in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean the only thing this is probably just coming with age. The only the only problem I have is if you forget if you forget something useful and you've done it in a really convoluted way, and then later on you go, "Oh, that was the wrong that was the wrong way to do it. I forgot this completely basic thing and got too carried away with some new technique." That that can happen, but you're right. It's like you know, I've never regretted picking up something new. It's it's always helpful. It's always something you know in your arsenal. Yeah. Now what? It, okay. Now that you you know we've talked about some of those things that affected your your work going forward. Uh, you know, what are you what are you anticipating? What do you think that's going to be the next thing that's going to change the way you you think about things? Oh, do you know what? I that's a that's a really tough question because I'm constantly surprised. Like things come along and I'm just okay. like I didn't I didn't know this was going to be a thing. And then it's it's brilliant and useful and amazing. Um, I think 
it does feel like speed is the main thing now. Like I, I know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like everything seems to be like it's the same things you could do five years ago, but it's unbelievably fast. Like it's just right. So like instant feedback on lighting, for example, instant feedback on shaders and materials. It's like it's it just it's brilliant. It's fantastic. It makes life so much smoother. Right. But outside outside of that, I'm not. I I don't know. I don't know what the next incredible thing's going to be. Like I keep my ear to the ground, but you never know. It's like. But do you think that there's a lot of things that have basically been solved, and now we're just making it easier <laughs> in a lot of ways? Yeah. I mean, I hope so. It does. It does feel that way. But also, I'm aware that I'm carrying with me 20 years of like baggage of experience. Right. And so someone someone else like if someone else came to Max today. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'd find it as useful as I do. So, you know, I would, I would, for example, I'd find it hard to recommend the software I use to someone who's like just starting out. I would probably, you know, steer well, towards Blender. Oh, Blender. I'd probably steer towards Blender just because right. like I see incredible work being done all the time. And even though I know it has issues because, you know, people I know who work professionally are like, oh, it's got this problem or this hang up. I right. still see great work done with it. And it's like, well, you know, why wouldn't you? Like, if, if that existed when I was your age, I'd be all over it. It's like, you know, right. it's free. It's incredible. There's huge resources, a big community. It's like, why would you not, basically? Right. Yeah, it's true. I think it's very interesting. Uh, what, what I also have found interesting is like you said, you mentioned real time, right? Like, or, or the idea of what real time is mm-hmm. when you're getting this feedback that's really fun. I, what's interesting is things get really, 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 really fast, but some of it is regressed <laughs> in some ways to different techniques like for example you know i've been using uh, uh uh unreal into looking at what unreal can do and it's absolutely amazing how fast and incredible tool and the amazing thing can do but ras it going it's going back to rasterize rendering it's like oh crap i haven't had to do this since scanline and max right like rendering a <laughs> rendering a shadow map what the hell are you talking about you know yeah. <laughs> and so part of me is like oh right because you gotta you, you can't always do full ray tracing so you have to regress a little bit so that's part yeah. of the thing that i've noticed in terms of like the speed is is that so i kind of want it so that the the unbelievably high quality can start to mix with the high speed at some point so yeah definitely yeah i mean also like when i mentioned that as well i was thinking about um substance painter and substance designer as right. well like in terms of like procedural generation and like when that when that first came out i remember watching the videos and going i I need it. I've needed this for the last 15 years. It's like, right. I can't believe it's just come out, but you know, that's that only gets better and stronger and faster. And it's, in, it's incredible. Like the other things you can do out of the box with that. So yeah, that's another case of like, you know, the tool is still complex. It's got a lot of work, but, but you can get results so quickly from it. It's astonishing. Yeah. It's a really, it's incredible that, 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 like you said, that tool had come out. There's been inklings of tools like that for years, right? There was, yes. and there were, you know, and then Mari was, came along, but you needed like mm-hmm. a supercomputer of a GPU to run that. And it was really complicated in some ways, but still people still use it and they really like it. But then substance came around. It was like, anyone can do this. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's really cool and it's great. Uh, and it also, you know, you, you know, because of things like substance that sort of introduced a workflow of shading into that was a universal concept to everyone. I mean, what has that affected your, your, your you as well? Like you never used metalness 20 years ago, right? <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's absolutely true. I must confess. I, sometimes I'm getting stuff out of substance and I'm, I'm doing it all correctly and I'm plugging stuff the way it should be. And sometimes I am fudging it. Like I'll get, I'll get sure. it into a substance and I'll get the maps out and I'm like, which one looks like it would affect the gloss? And so that one's close enough. And it's like, yeah, I do have to cheat things because sure. I, you know, I, I don't have 
I don't have the brain power to translate certain things just because of like working methods I understand and know. And so, yeah, I'm slowly getting my head around the metalness thing. But yeah, I, often it will just be like, I'll get it working in substance, get the maps out, and I'll know that looking at them, I will be able to use them to get something close in V-Ray. So it's usually good enough. Yeah, yeah. I hate the term metalness because people think about it as physically accurate. It's like, when have you used the term metalness in anything in <laughs> <Yeah>. nature? Yeah. <laughs> it's got a high is, metalness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, no, there's no metal. Metalness is either it's metal or it's not metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. It's exactly. A, yeah. It's a one or a zero. It's not, there's no 0.5 metal plasticky thing. That's a really good point. <laughs> yeah i had a whole conversation with zap anderson about this so it was it was pretty funny you should get uh, it's on a previous podcast about excellent i'll check it out uh but yeah so so that's interesting but i i do see it you're like now when i get assets you know from people that, that that when we were looking at debugging things or they're giving something to share with us or whatever and i get assets all, almost all of them have like stuff made out of substance which is great mm. because Oh, okay. Well, then you just plug this into that, and that, into that, and that, and yeah. that, and boom. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know. This is again, this is my own lack of knowledge. I, normal maps, I've still, I've never got my hand, my head around the correct way to use normal maps. Oh, I still find myself, I will plug them in, and I will toggle every version of it until I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's the one that works. Okay. So um, again, that's just my own lack of experience. But um, yeah, normal maps evade me. I, I still haven't got my head around it. Yeah. Well. I can I can understand. Honestly, I I'd rather not have anything that's a normal or bump map. I'd rather have it just pure displacement everywhere, and then it's, yes. then, then it's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that's when the people from Unreal start crying. Go, what are you doing? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. lots of polygons. <laughs> now that's it. And again, one of the benefits of working in print is I I've, I've never really had to care about poly count. So some some of my Max files mm -hmm. are absolutely obscene. It's just like, you know, they're gigabytes of stuff. And it's like, people are like what? You know, if, I, if ever I've had to share an asset, which I'll often dissuade clients from doing, because for that very reason, I'll, I'll be like, what you're getting isn't what you might hope you're getting. You're not going to get a character you can animate. You'll get like a big lump of polygons that right. you may or may not be able to use. And yeah, and they'll be like, why is this so big? And I'm like, because no one had to work on it but me. And it's like, it's <laughs> because first I don't image. care. <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I just don't need to care. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And it's interesting because you look at your work, obviously you look at the illustrations and they're like very cartoony, like you said, and mm. playful and they look fairly simple. <laughs> oh, if you saw my geometry, you'd be physically sick. <laughs> they're going, why? Is, this is insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's interesting. That's interesting. Well, that's great. I mean, obviously, and that's another thing, right? If you're doing ray tracing, you don't really don't care that much about the polygon count <laughs> yeah absolutely like i remember it, again it felt like almost overnight like v-ray could handle anything like i just remember like there was an update and i was like oh we can really throw stuff at it it's like we can really throw stuff at it it's like and it just never fell down it's yeah. just like you know getting forest pack loads of trees loads of everything just absolutely fine it was incredible yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's well that's the thing right it's the uh, with with uh, with uh, ray tracing, uh, polygons are pretty much a free thing. You can throw as many of them as you want. When you're doing rasterizing, polygons definitely make a difference. But uh, but you can render large res resolutions, and it doesn't really change the effect of render time. That's the mm. difference there. But uh, but yeah, okay. But okay. So you mentioned now you have your, your renders are big. Like how big? When you say big? yeah, <laughs> um, I'd say just 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 as a safety net, it, we tend to do ten. Like it, it depends on the 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 end goal basically so right um because if we're doing stuff for advertising it tends to be needed like say for a billboard poster which is going to be seen up close mm -hmm. so that poster needs to be um 300 dpi but it could also be 
for a huge hoarding, like a 96-sheet billboard. But obviously that'll have a lower um, DPI or LPI, uh, which mm-hmm. means the image doesn't need to be so big. But I've done renders that were 30,000 wide. Um, wow. Because, yeah, that's where it needs to be. Um, but I'd say the lowest is probably 10K. We tend to do sort of 10K as a bare minimum. But 30,000, I mean, your frame buffer takes up all your memory at that point. Like, how do you do oh, that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's when the V-Ray, like, saved to the V-Ray image was an absolute lifesaver. There you so, go. Like, yeah, when I did that, that artwork at Digital Progression of the, the Crisis box art, they, they needed the full character. Um, for They were going to make a cardboard um, standee, like, to go in shops. So you'd have the guy in his big, like, mechanical nano suit. And that was huge. That was 25,000 pixels high, I think. Um, but he had displacement on him. He had tons of geometry, right. ray tracing, GI, everything. Um, and yet I couldn't render it. Like I, I was, li- I had to write this email to the client going, I'm really sorry, due to my own like hubris, <laughs> this will not work. And then I found the tip about rendering straight to the disk and not right. seeing the image. So I like nervously set this render off that had to be done like by the end of the weekend and came back in and looked at the file and it all worked perfectly. And I was like, oh, thank God for that. But yeah, yeah that was a, that was a lifesaver. Yeah, that's, 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 that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Like, okay, so, so what is the kind of hardware you use now? Do you, do you guys look at GPU rendering or are you doing some of that as well? Or Do you know what? At the moment, we're sort of at a point where if I have the time, I'm going to look at it. Like, do you know what I mean? But I so rarely have the time. It's like since, especially since like COVID hit, like I remember when it first happened, I was like, well, this is it. I'm not going to have any work for the next, like however long this lasts, because mm-hmm. who's going to want images of chocolate bars during this? But that didn't happen. And instead, the opposite happened. Right. Everyone suddenly had to pivot from, we can't shoot this commercial. So we're switching to CG. We can't shoot this. We need to retouch it. So it was just like, oh, so I suddenly got swamped with work. So I haven't had any free time, but I desperately want to. And I keep like, every time I jump to GP rendering, there's always something that trips me up. But it's usually because I've set the scene up for CPU rendering, and I brought it back, and there's something that doesn't work. There's some some setting that it just doesn't allow that I haven't noticed. But right. I reckon if I was if I was aiming to work with it, it would probably be okay. But again, I just I don't know when when that time's going to happen. So um, one thing I have noticed is this is like an in joke that me and my business partner have is I can't make a render take longer than an hour <laughs> with V-Ray. Like so, even if I'm doing stuff, we've got like incredible PCs now. We've got um, basically we've got two each. And okay. they're about 56 cores each, um, which is very handy. Wow. Um, so is it 56 cores? I can't remember. It's, it's a dual Xeon and there's an i9. They're very, there's a lot of buckets, basically. Right. And that's all we need. And so just with those two PCs, I get pretty much everything out the door very fast. Hmm. Yeah. that's. I have, I have looked into um, cloud rendering, but I'm st- again, it's like it's on the horizon. I'm going to use it when I need it. But, but if yeah, you can get it in an hour, yet. that's perfectly reasonable, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, animation is a different story. but Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because you doing a whole animation on two computers is probably a little bit painful. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, what are some of the animation pieces you, you mentioned? You, are they just little clips you're doing, or or, or different things of that nature? Um, yes. Yeah, so basically, I do very silly joke, like just basically anything that makes me laugh. So, a character doing something silly, or just a little cute thing, or. Whatever. Um, so I've, I've always done those. Like I, I used to do them like back in the day, but I never showed them to anyone. I would literally just do them and go, oh, that's entertained me for a bit. And I just leave them on a hard drive. Right. But now because of Instagram and stuff, I can actually you know, 
put them out to the public and some people like them and that escalates. Um, and then a few years ago, I, I submitted some to a festival in Berlin called um, Pictoplasma, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a really great sort of like character design animation showcase. It's, it's really, really good fun to go awesome. to. Um, so I submitted there and they accepted it and they showed three of my like tiny, like five second loops like, bodged together. But I got a, there was an audience it was in a big, massive theatre, and people laughed at what I did, and that was really intoxicating. So I then did the same thing again. I was like, I was like scouring my hard drive, going, "What can I piece together for for the next year?" And I submitted it, and they put it in, and I got a big laugh again. So then I was like, "Right, I need to actually do something serious now. I need to actually make a film." So I worked on a film which I released last year called Horse, hmm. which is like a one and a half minute long, very silly thing about a pink horse trying to exist, and. <laughs> Yeah, and my main goal with that was just like I actually want to do something that has a start, a middle, and an end, and isn't just five seconds long. So right. that was that's what I came up with. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we should put we'll put the link on the on the podcast page so people can oh, check thank that you. out. But yeah, I mean that's interesting. In the in the days of you know uh, of Instagram, I mean, has that affected your like your get it, people getting to know you, people finding you? You know how do you, how do you how does a group like you sort of find new customers and and get all that? That out well, there. yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier about how we found that being perceived as a studio is is almost detrimental now. Yeah. One of the weird things is I've always had my own personal website, and even yep. though even though I'm working in the studio, I, I will stick all of my own stuff on there. Mm-hmm. And when Instagram happened, I was like, oh, I'll make my own account. I'll put some stuff up there. But then people started coming directly for me for work because they quite liked like they were they were like, I want that guy. And like, irrespective of the fact that I worked at the studio, they were just like, we want you. Right. So that was really interesting. And I, I spoke to my business partner. It's like, it's probably worth me keeping both things going because we're getting work and it's coming to me, but it's like, we're both doing it or we're both working on it. Right. So I've now sort of like, I hate using the term brand. It's horrible. But like, I've, I've sort of, my my name is becoming synonymous with a certain type of project and yep. that gets bandied around. And, and then people have found me on Instagram and approached me and I've done some amazing jobs. I just did a job... Um, with a great music video director called David Wilson um, uh, for Spotify. And that was like purely from him coming across my work on Instagram. So yeah, that's that's a surprising avenue of work that's, that's just popped up. Right. Do you find that that's another uh, like kind of thing that you guys are doing, doing like a lot of work for just going straight to Instagram, not even on a billboard or any kind of print thing? Do you know what? I haven't, I've, I've maybe one project I think was, was purely social media only, but right. uh, the anim- the animation work. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's definitely a lean towards this only ever needs to be seen on, on the web. So it does not need to exceed these you know dimensions or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's really weird working in vertical video. I really don't like it. It's horrible. That is weird. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's just like, no, it's wrong. You're missing all that. Anyway, but um, yeah. I digress. So yeah, We're but old. in terms of, <laughs> yeah, in terms of, um, in terms of print images, no, it's it's still we're still getting stuff physically made, and even if it's not seeing print, people want to have they want the file to be you know big enough that it could. So yeah, there's probably some jobs we've done that never actually physically were were made, but you know you make just, it big enough so that if exactly, they have that, that yeah. option, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if if a client turned around and said we need this illustration like one nine twenty ten eighty, I'd be over them. I, I wouldn't trust them first of all. I'd be like, no, you don't. You need it bigger. But it would be amazing. I'd get stuff rendered so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That'd be good. So, but it doesn't sound like you guys—you guys would seem to be fairly happy with the stuff you're doing. You don't seem to want to expand or, or increase the studio. You know, and I think you're doing a lot of stuff that you love to do. Yeah, I mean, again, I get this a lot. Like, my, my especially my family—they're like, "You should, you're doing well. You should expand." And it's one of the hardest things is to find a generalist 
who has the same skill set or could be taught a similar skill set, who wants to work in 3D Studio Max and also wants to live where we live, is like it's just a it just gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And we and we've we've never found someone. So whenever we've looked, it's like, oh, you know, there's there's no one in that in that pool that we could draw from. Mm-hmm. But also I because there's just the two of us and we handle all the you know the client interactions and we handle all the um, you know, emailing and meetings, and we and we do have an agent who we're represented by who does take a lot of that pressure off. But even so, there's so much to do day to day as well as working on the artwork. Mm-hmm. The idea of having an employee that I would then need to manage, I don't think I'd have the capability to do it. Like I, I, yeah. I don't know if I'd necessarily make a good boss. I don't know if that's a hat I could wear well because you know I, I, I still, you know, I work for myself and I'm a terrible employee for myself sometimes. You know, it's just like. <laughs> late to work and art stuff but um yeah so i don't know i don't know if it's like it's something we probably should look into but equally i quite like the manageable like it's it's and it's a generalist mindset as well i like doing stuff myself and that's why you become a generalist because you like to do all the yeah. things so I having totally- someone else on board is just like but i but i like doing that bit like yeah i can totally see that i can totally hmm. see that i mean i think that's something that you you're the way you're describing it is like yep i can I could see just being a boss is a different skill set. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't always, you know, you don't always agree with your boss. So. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, the guys I used to work for, I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying this, but like um, they were both very talented artists, but they weren't necessarily the best bosses. They were good. They were good fun. We'd go out drinking together and stuff. But if, right. you know, if, ever, if ever there was like a, you know, an employee crisis, they weren't necessarily the best people to deal with. And I think, yeah, they would be the first to admit that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've, I've had that experience, which I think has definitely tainted me in terms of like, well, I, don't, I don't want to become that person. So yeah. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I listen. Uh, we're, we're we're rounding around the corner here, but this has been a fantastic talk. I mean, I love I love your work. I love the, oh, the you. your story uh, and, and that mindset. And I think that's a really great idea. Is if you're really good at what you do, uh, you just keep doing it. And then you know yeah. what? Someone will pay you sometimes. <laughs> yeah. The tricky thing is if you do if your if your hobby does become your job, it's trying to find that balance of still enjoying your hobby because like like I said, animation was my hobby really, right? And that's now started to become my job, which is great. And I've had some like since Horse went public, I've had some incredible opportunities, and I've done some amazing work this year that I can't wait to show off and talk about. But equally, I'm like, oh no, that was the thing I did to relax. That was the fun thing, and now right. it's the obligation. And like obligation is like the enemy of creativity. Sometimes it like it sucks all of the you know. When you when you have to do something, it stops being fun. Yeah, I had to pick up a, a hobby that was way more analog just to clear my brain. Yes, a bit. I need to do that <laughs> definitely. Yeah, is yeah. it is it fly fishing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. You heard about that? Well, yeah. there you go. Yep. Yeah, I make these little flies. So like yesterday, I was like, I turn off the computer, and I, it'll make these little. I make these little nice. Flies. So there you go. That's the little, oh, cool. That's a that's called a carbonator because it's for carp Ooh. fishing. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's a way to, to unwind a little bit. But listen, this has been this has been great. I really appreciate uh, all the stuff. Uh, I love your origin story. It was a really great one. I love your your persistence is great, <laughs> and oh, got thanks. you got you places. Uh, and also the fact that you were you were there in the early days of V Ray. You, you, you've done all those things, so that was also really cool. <laughs> yeah, I owe Vlad in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so do I, actually. <laughs> so do I. All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this. No, that's absolutely fine. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>